This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Kate uh, DeLeo with me. How you doing, Kate? Great. How are you? Doing well. You're up in uh, beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri today uh, here on the Illinois side. A little dreary weather for us today. I don't know about you. We've got about 45 degrees and rainy, so not the best. Yeah, yeah, we're a little warmer than that, but rain rain is coming. So, uh, well, anyway, you are a founder of a company. You are a strategist. You are an author. Uh, You were just down in St. Louis not too long ago, helping a couple of universities down here. And so doing some great work with people on branding and strategy and really the messaging behind a small to medium-sized company. So looking forward to chatting with you today. But uh, if you can, Kate, just kind of give us a background. What's made you the woman you are today? And uh, how have you gotten to where you've gotten? That's a big question. Uh, I'll do my best to try and be succinct here. I think, you know, I'm on 36. I am a mom of four. I've got a beautiful blended family of four kids under the age of eight. And uh, when I am not running after them uh, and talking about how they have to wear pants when it's 30 degrees out in the morning, what I do (laughs) for my day job is I specifically work with small to mid-sized companies, helping them nail down their messaging and really get positioned in the marketplace so that they can attract and get more of the right kind of prospect to the table. That's really the goal is revenue generation. Um, I did not start off in branding. I am very much an accidental brand strategist. I think like a lot of older millennials at I'm 36, I had a very zigzag career path, but I think for me, there has been a, the brand is kind of a common thread throughout all of that. But in terms of what's made me who I am today, you know, there's a couple of key words that come to mind that have really been at the core of who I am. And I think it's faith, laughter and resilience, generosity and gratitude. And so for me, those are some of the core words where I just point my compass and, and, and try and kind of guide the ship in anything that I'm doing. Yeah. So what are you seeing out there when you're working with these companies right now that maybe some of the things that the, the best companies are doing well and some things, it's kind of a two-part question here, the things that maybe we think are working, but they're really not working. Do you want me to really answer that just in general in terms of business right now? Or do you want me to touch in more from the messaging side? Yeah, I think well, really e- either way. I mean, I think messaging, yeah. we can start with kind of business as a whole and then kind of dive into the messaging. Absolutely. Okay, so as business as a whole, I think one of the things that we probably all started to sense, especially with COVID, was that everybody was creating a company, right? We certainly had, of course, a big startup boom since I would say 2016, 2017 in most yep. metro areas in the twins in around the country. That being said, we saw a significant increase in the number of businesses in the digital space that started to come out just due to the nature of COVID and what was happening both in the corporate sector. And of course, we had a whole new batch of Gen Z's coming up out of school. And so with that, that's been great. And it's not been so great. 
one of the things that I have really seen as a trend, and I've worked with about 300 companies globally at this point, is that we, we're kind of in this weird space where there's almost an epidemic of innovation. And, and, and what I mean by that is I think that everybody right now is trying to create a company for the sake of creating a company and innovating. And what started at this as this amazing catalyst from a place of need is now becoming everybody wants to get on board the startup train. And right. I think that's hurtful sometimes because I think that we have to get back to the root of, am I solving a real problem? Is my business really serving people with something that's absolutely paramount? Is it a nice to have or is it a need to have? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, how do we know that though? I mean, is it, I mean, so talk us through that. Like, how do we know if the message we think we're putting out works, but really it's not working. How do you, how do you measure that? What are the checks and balances for business owners? That's awesome. So that's where typically I'm brought in, right? Is I get a call from a company and they go, gosh, you know, the message that we had, it worked for a while. And it's not really, we're not really seeing that many prospects come to the table yeah. or we have a, a company that's been established for a while and they're evolving and growing as they should and adapting to the marketplace because it's very dynamic and they have a new product, new service. And what worked for them previously is no longer serving them. So traditionally what we see is kind of core metrics and I'll take it from the slice of B2B to start, but in the B2B space, for a company, the things that we immediately see impacted if their message is not working are going to be the following. Number one, a decrease in the number of prospects coming to the table, period. You actually have less in your pipeline. The second thing that's really interesting and, of course, kind of goes along with that is the number of qualified prospects in that pipeline is decreasing. So you could bring in 100 people and 30 of them are qualified, whereas before maybe 40 or 50 were really highly qualified in your ideal type of buyer. That's a signal that your message is off. The other thing that we find is that your sales cycle is starting to increase. All of a sudden, have you ever felt before, gosh, it used to take us four to six weeks to close and we're at like three to six months. Like, what is going on? Chances are it's not just because of the political economy or because, you know, what's going on overseas and this and that. It's actually probably that there's something off between who you're targeting and the message that you're delivering to those audiences that they're coming to the table and they're not quite at a point of readiness and or they're not really aligned with your message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's hard still, it's hard to figure out, but I think that's also the trial and error, isn't it? I mean, you got to go out and try things and some things fail, some things succeed. Absolutely. I think when you come, when it comes to stuff like marketing and certainly I'll be honest, branding and marketing, it sounds like fluff, doesn't it? It's very yeah. nebulous. It's very much like oh, creative, but I'm, I'm a pragmatist at the core. And I think for me, what I'm always going back to is are you seeing a direct impact when you start to test a different message in the marketplace where you are seeing an increase in qualified prospects? Are they coming to the table? And instead of having a conversation asking you, what do you do? They're going, I already know what you do. And we have this very specific need. Yeah. Can you solve this? I start yeah. to look at those cues and indicators when I talk to sales teams or founders and go, when you start getting at that point in the conversation, you know, something's actually working. And your ability to then close faster and close better and be more selective in the quality of, of clients that you work with greatly increases. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not all Elon Musk, right? Where we can just go out and buy Twitter and, and do those things and, or make one tweet and literally change the trajectory of a market or anything, right? That's going on right now. So how do we go out as a non-Elon Musk, if you will, and make that messaging known because you've got, you get your website, you've got social media, whether it's 
uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, whatever, you know, all these, these platforms, right. That you can go to now along like again, like army, I said, your website. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And, and yeah. so where, where is that best message from a business owner? So I pick on visionary wealth advisors, right? We're a yeah. small to medium sized company. Where's the best bang for our buck? Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me try to answer this in a couple layers, right? So certainly there's pieces you and I can talk about today that talk about what is even a good message to start with. And we can hit on that in a minute, but like, for example, what are those big components that you would need to have for your brand message? But if we take a step back and we start to ask the question, where do I put that message into the marketplace? What's going to give me the biggest bang for my buck, AKA what marketing levers or tactics are you going to try? Right. Yeah. All right. Out of your bones. Obviously you need to have a website done. Done. You have your, your message updated on a website. I think if you don't have a website, we should have a conversation, right? There's something else going on here. I know even individual solopreneur consultants, they've got a basic website of three to four pages, yeah. homepage, about page, services, contact. And so at this point, buyers- and you're, I'm sorry, are you saying that's good or you think that they need more? It's good. They okay. need at least a basic yeah. brochure website of three to four pages. Yep. Outside of that, listen, all marketing tactics are seemingly good. The question that you have to ask yourself is once you've gone through the process of going, I know the problem I solve, I know exactly who I'm going after and why, mm -hmm. oh, and I've defined what the ideal customer type is or customer types, my question that I ask every client is this. Okay, let's say you say, I go for mid-sized manufacturers. That's my target. Yep. All right. Well, my question then is what rooms are those C-suite leaders of those mid-sized manufacturing companies already in digitally or otherwise. So meaning if they're not on Facebook, why are you doing Facebook ads? If they're not on Twitter to get their problem solved and they're not networking on Twitter, why are you on Twitter? I have a lot of companies that have recognized, especially in the last two years, that less is more. And what's actually smarter is that it's more of a question of how do you have a blend of what rooms do you physically show up in? To deliver your brand pitch yeah. and that could be a zoom room that could be a ceo mastermind chamber of commerce versus am i running ads on linkedin or am i doing seo or am i doing google ads in my opinion it goes back to where do those people already go to solve problems and expand their networks you've got to show up there and deliver your message yeah and so are you finding that those linkedin or facebook ads whatever it may be are you finding those work and and because we don't do any of that stuff quite frankly and and maybe we should i don't know but it, it's also the ones that go to your website are we repurposing back to them which we again we don't do you know with an email it's like you don't know who the person is but you know they were on your website and it's a whole world that i don't understand um, but do you recommend that for, for small to medium-sized companies? Again, if they come to Visionary Wealth Advisors, I know that it's you. I may not know that it's Kate, but I'm going to rebrand back to you. So when it's time for you to quote unquote purchase, then we're the people you think of. Yeah, well, okay. That's a big question. I mean, I think really it comes down to the product or service offering that you're, you're delivering to be really blunt with you. Because yeah. for example, if you're in the B2C space, if you're delivering a, a cool consumer product, right? Obviously, you're going to have a Shopify website or you're going yeah. to sell on Amazon. And of course, what are you going to probably do? Ads. You're going to do some ads. Yeah. And you're probably going to be more on social platforms to try and find that end consumer. Whereas if I look at somebody in your space, in the wealth advisory space, or I just branded a, a VC firm. And when you're in the relationship business, 
I think that we have to really get back to what do our people care about? Do they even want to be served ads? Do they even respond to LinkedIn ads? Or are they right. annoyed with them? Or for example, do they want to receive emails from you? Some clients, yes. If you're in a technical space and you're in B2B services, sometimes people love to get that monthly email with your tips and tricks and advice. Yep. Great way to drip on them and keep be top of mind so that when they're ready, they trust you and they want to work with you. Others, not so much. And so I guess what, what it gets back to is there's no one size fits all. What I think is most important is understanding, are you in a transaction business or are you in a relationship business? Neither yeah. is bad, but I want to understand that first before I could make a recommendation. Yeah. And I, and what you said too, is do they get annoyed by it? Like there was this thing, my <laughs> wife and I on her birthday, we did a little date and, and there was this thing I was looking at and I, I looked it up. And then you got to get your email, right? And now it's like every day they're sending me emails. I'm like, now you almost make me not want to buy this. You know, like yeah. I wanted to buy it and now you're annoying the hell out of me, quite frankly. And so you, I think you got to be careful with that too. You do. what? Because because ultimately, when you think about brand, at the heart of your brand message, the purpose of your brand message is to be the path of least resistance to revenue. Yeah. Said differently, like your job with your brand is in the first 15 to 20 seconds, whether somebody meets you and here's your pitch, they click on your homepage, you're supposed to be able to tell them, this is what we do, this is how we solve your specific pain, and this is how we're different. And at the end of the day, candidly, that's the stuff for that consumer to make a decision. Do I want to have a conversation with you? And sometimes people want space before they come to the table to have that conversation. And if that's the case, don't market to them in the traditional way. I'll be honest, in my world, I don't do that. The last thing you want to hear is from a marketing agency or brand lady. Are you kidding me? That's good. That's yeah, fine. Well, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, I've never so, it. Yeah. so talk about the, you call it the building the brand trifecta. Tell us more yeah. about that. Awesome. Okay. So uh, when I started my, my career, um, I started in sales, interestingly enough. So I'll tell you a quick story to give context for this. So I did not go to school for branding. I said a few minutes ago, I'm kind of an accidental brand strategist. Yeah. So Brett, I had intended to do a PhD in linguistic anthropology. Oh. And when the market crashed, I had to make a decision to get out of academia. And so I remember I had a, this interesting conversation with the professor. He's like, Kate, I know that you love this. We don't know where this field is going to be. Like, honestly, the chances of you becoming a professor and being at a university, there's only so many schools around the country that would right. even allow you to do it. And so he looked at me, he's like, I just, I think you should just go get a job and pay off your debt and maybe just evaluate in a few years. So of course, like my Italian father was like, please leave my house and pay off your debt, right? Like he's yeah. so excited. He's like, please get out of my house. So I did, I fell into sales. I absolutely from pure necessity took a job to cold call IT professionals and sell them $2,500 training classes, okay. which is pretty much the dumbest job you could take in your twenties, right? I'm a total green salesperson and you're supposed to call an IT person who clearly wants to be called and then clearly wants to be sold to. Yes. Here's why I share this story. The approach that I take to branding started in that job from a make or break scenario that I was either out of a job in 30 days or I had to figure out a way to actually make my quota. And so what happened was, is they'd given me all the sales training, all the complex sales scripts, subscribed all my leads to this complex marketing drip campaign, and none of it was working. So I basically was a problem child and I unsubscribed everybody and I totally threw out the scripts 
And hmm. I basically just called these people up and I was like, hi, my name's Kate. I'm with such and such company. Here's what we do. Here's how I can solve your training problem. And here's how we're different. One, two, three, 15 seconds. And I'd shut up. It worked. They wanted to talk to me. They wanted the email. They wanted the next step. I ended up running $1.2 million a year quota and being over hundred percent. So here's the brand trifecta coming from the experience of I had to net get through it. There are three things based on buyer psychology that are proven that your customer needs to know to want to have a conversation and they are in an order. The first thing is tell me what you do. And in the world of branding and messaging, Brett, that's a tagline. Your tagline is supposed to answer what you do. The second thing is what we call a value proposition statement. You might've heard of that. And really it's a statement that says, I understand you, here's your pain that we know, and here's how we solve that pain. That's like the statement, you know, when you go to somebody's website and you're like, oh my God, they read my mail. Yeah. You ever had that? Yeah, that's a value proposition statement. You're like, ooh, I like these people. Okay. And then the third thing in in the right order are a set of what we call differentiator statements, sometimes called like your company's three uniques. It's really like the one, two, three, four of like, how are we different and better than the competition? So tell them what you do, tell them how you solve their problem, tell them how you're different. That is the brand trifecta. And every single time based on psychology, it will bring somebody to what we call a point of conversion. Yeah. So our tagline is, and it's always a question I'd love to ask is, is helping people achieve a future greater than your past. And so I always say it doesn't mean you have a bad past, but I I think everybody wants, I shouldn't say, I think I, I, I assume it, but you can't do that either. But I assume that most people want a future greater than their past, right? So that's our quote unquote tagline. And I think that's what helps us, right? Is people that work with wealth management advisors, they want a future greater than their past, hence why they're coming to save money, invest money and, and do all the things they're doing for their goals and dreams. So when you hear that, does that fit this trifecta? Is that in the right spot for you? It is. It is actually really good. It's actually a great tagline. And I'll tell you, it's great because it's speaking to the promise of what they ultimately want. Right. They, they, yeah. they want something different and bigger and better. So the way that this naturally works is if I heard your tagline, let's say we're in a room or in the conversation. Right. And I walk in, I'm like, oh, Brett, so nice to meet you. What do you do? Yeah. And you would say to me, oh, well, we help people just like you achieve a future that's greater than their past. And I'm going, really? What do you mean by that? Okay. So great taglines provoke. They provoke your prospect yeah. to kind of ask the next question aloud or internally, right? So you got me. I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And I'd be like, well, t- well, hold on, Brett. What do you mean by that? And you would probably follow up with something like, well, here's what I know to be true is where you are now does not mean that you always have to be there. And there's goals that we know that you want to achieve. Our job in financial planning is to help you figure out a roadmap that's going to enable you to hit those mile markers in the best possible way. Yeah. Something along those lines, right? Boom. We're hiring. And I, would, and I would go, oh, yeah, that's so true. I feel stuck right now, but I don't have to be stuck. That's fascinating, right? Yeah. Value prop. Got it. So then I would go in my brain. Interesting. So Brett's sitting here telling me that he can help me build a future that's better than my past. He's telling me that I don't have to be stuck and he's going to help me build a plan to get unstuck. So is he like Ameriprise or like Wells Fargo financial plan? Right. Like in my brain, I'm going to figure out like, well, how are you really different though? Everybody tries to say that. Here's the third piece then. I'm probably going to ask you a clarifying question 
to make sure I'm tracking with you. And I'm going to go, so your financial planner, so or wealth manager. So are you like those guys at Ameriprise or like Edward Jones? Like, yeah, you make sure I'm making sense of this. And you go, right. oh, such a great question, Kate. We're actually a little different. Let me explain the top couple ways that we're really different. Yeah. Right. Oh, we focus on serving in this. We take this approach. We're totally independent. Da, 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 da. Okay. Yeah. So you get through that. And then I get to this point where I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. Makes total sense. Got it. Okay. So Brett, you got me. So how does that work? Or what does that look like? How does that work? What does that look like? And the moment that you've ever in a conversation, have somebody ask you like, so how do you work with people? The how, what question is the point of conversion. It is actually the point on a website homepage where they would click to watch your explainer video or click to go to your products and services page. Yes. You got them. They're finally ready to care about your products and services. They're hooked. That's we got them. Works. Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the approach we've done for, I've been doing this business for 20 years and, you know, we started visionary eight years ago and we call it the visionary way, right? The visionary yes. value, the visionary way. And, and that's exactly right is, uh, we want to paint the vision, right? What a future could or will be like. That's the definition of visionary. Hence the name of our company is Visionary Wealth Advisors. So uh, yeah, I'm tracking with you. And that's exactly, uh, exactly uh, right. So I love that. So talk to us about planning. I mean, how important is the planning side for you as a business owner? Uh, forget the branding side and what you're doing for other clients. But as a business owner, walk us through some of your non-negotiables for you. I'll just talk broad strokes for my own business. Does that sound okay? Yeah. I think, um, first off, I have been super blessed to have some amazing mentors in my life that have challenged me in a really positive way. And I've been able to watch them through their successes and their failures and really understand like what has worked and what hasn't worked. What did they stumble on? Right. And I think number one, one of the most important things that my, my dad gave me some sage advice when I was growing up. And one of them was to always watch others that had gone before you. He also told me these things that really tie into core advice that I still follow for my own business when it comes to planning. Never burn a bridge. Yep. You live and die by your Rolodex and you have to know how to sell something. And so best advice I could have ever gotten from my serial entrepreneur father, right? And it, it really made him as successful as he was. But I look at the core planning for my business in a few buckets. I think number one, I look at planning for my own organization over the last 10 years. And I was always asking the question, do I have very specific revenue goals that I can back into with activity? Do I actually understand how many meetings and rooms I need to show up in to get how many proposed, like actual prospect calls to get how many proposals to get a 30% close rate to run my pipeline? Yep. I had to think about activity and that was very hard at first, especially if you're a visionary, you're like, uh, you know, the second thing that I had to really get my arms around was, do I have the right operations in place so that my processes are as automated as possible? Um, you, that is an ongoing piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you do that? Like, how are you doing that? Yeah. So big stuff. So, right. So, I mean, goodness, first off, I actually did some research and found a CRM system that was just enough. I didn't need to go the full HubSpot route. I wasn't yeah. there, but I found a great middle of the road CRM that was very inexpensive called Zoho. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Now, listen, for my business, it was awesome. It's been great because I was able to turn off all the things I didn't want and really maximize the things that I did want. So what that started to look like was automated invoicing that connected with an actual pipeline, my CRM system. 
follow-up reminder emails to book sessions and check in on clients uh, where I'm CC'd on them. And they know that, hey, this is Kate's assistant, Natalie. She's reaching out, like, you know, and I make it very personal. We're checking in on you. How are things going? Yeah. It looks like using a project management tool in there where I track my tasks and I have a running task list. That has been absolutely invaluable to stay on top of it. And how often are you going through that thing? I mean, is that, that's a daily habit for you? Daily habit. Yeah. Five yeah. minutes every morning. I just take five minutes. I go in to my system and I go, what do I need to tackle? What's the highest burning platform thing that's important for me as the founder to manage versus what do I offload to an assistant or to somebody else? I don't have employees and I finally have somebody helping me about five to 10 hours a week. She runs her own business. She's just an independent contractor. She's brilliant. But for those of us who don't have a capacity to have this huge team, we wear 75 hats. And so having a system in place made me feel like I could keep my head on straight and uh, move away from paper checklists and a flooded email inbox. And how important was it for you to, to bet on yourself and hire somebody? Hugely, hugely important. Um, that was a struggle. I remember my first six, seven years in the business when it was really more part-time. I wasn't sure I could get my arms around that. I almost had to, to be honest, get my confidence up and trust that I could do this. And I think for any of us, boy, believing that you can hit your goals is really tough. Like I think the journey as a founder and an entrepreneur is not just a journey for like business revenue. It's a journey in, in personal confidence. Oh, and yeah. I don't know if you felt like that, but whoa, like there's just no separation sometimes of church and state per se. Like the yeah. stuff that I've gone through personally has impacted business and vice versa. It took a long time, yeah. but it was imperative. Yeah. I, mean, I hired my first staff person when I was 23, maybe 24 years old. And I remember just thinking to myself, okay, I, I know what I'm the best at doing and I know what I need to leverage to others. Right. And so, yeah. but it was really, really scary. And so, I mean, I was hiring somebody that was basically going to make the same amount of money I had just made in an entire year. I was going to go ahead and hire that person. And so to bet on myself or have that self-confidence, as you said, was huge because I did it and it, it I've never looked back. And so for, you know, 20 something year, 20 years now, I've had, you know, I've been had great teammates and great staff along the ride. But I think you do as business owners have to bet on yourself sometimes and just take the plunge and do it. I felt confident to bet on myself because I had the sales and operations systems in place. Like I knew that I could work my systems. So in order for me to have confidence, I'm such a prove it person. I'm just very much like, I want the order of operations. It's just time wired, right? Yeah, yeah. So because of that, I knew it within myself that for me to have quote unquote confidence, I did need to know that I could work my pipeline. And I was like, yes, I've got this nailed. I've got the right partnership channels and they're bringing in X number of leads. And I had that down. And then I was like, oh my gosh, all of the systems work that I just did freed up three to five hours a week from my schedule. You know, like that's a big deal. Right. As soon as I started to get those pieces in place, I was recognizing, heck yes, I can bring somebody in five, 10 hours even to start. I even recommend too, if you're struggling, start with somebody that's five to 10 hours a week, allow them to create impact in your business. And you begin to go, can you take this? Can you take that? Like you start to realize they free you up and, all of a sudden they're doing 20, 34, 40 hours a week and enabling you to focus on revenue producing activities. Yeah. yeah. And those are, it's funny you say that I call them RPAs. It's exactly what I call them revenue producing activities. And it's, it's true. I mean, if, 
if you're doing now, some people you can go out and hire somebody and then just don't refill that time. And now you're just wasting time and money. But I think as long as you find what you're uniquely qualified to do, that you're the best at do those things really, really well and hire around you. That's been a very big key thing for us to be successful. It is. It's critical. Yep. So what would you say? I call it the um, kind of your, if you had your one thing, right? Your one thing, which is a great book, by the way, but if you had your one thing that you could leave our listeners with today on what it is that you would focus on, no miss, right? I followed Kate around every single day with a camera and I knew this thing was being done day in, day out that has helped you be successful. What is that one thing? I am going to stick to my guns on this is doing branding. And I'm going to tell you, you have to know that you've got a brand pitch. You know exactly who you're talking to. You know exactly what you're saying that's provocative and going to get the right kind of prospect to the table. And you need to show up in the room and deliver that message day in and day out and not be afraid of that. And if you just stick to your guns on building and delivering that pitch over and over again, it will transform you from a place of fear and feeling like you have to be this slimy salesperson into a founder that truly leads from invitation. I always say, are you leading from desperation or invitation? And when you understand your message and what you truly have that you're offering people, yep. you can lead from a place of invitation and the right people are going to come. Love it. Tell us about your book, uh, Muting the Megaphone. Stop telling stories and start having conversations. That's coming out... Uh... Soon. July. Yeah, July. I can't even believe that. If you'd asked me like a year ago, if I'd write a book, I'd have been like, that's the worst idea ever. No, you know, <laughs> like I don't think anybody plans to be an right. author, um, let alone if you're just busy, right? You're like, forget that nonsense. Um, Here's the deal. The book is focusing on my actual trade craft. So what I did is I took the last 10 years of experience and I actually walked readers through how do you actually write your brand? What would I take a client through step-by-step step to write that? Yeah. And the title is really focused around the fact that we're in this age of megaphone marketing where everybody shouts at you, tells you all these complex stories. And what people want is a brand message that authentically provokes you to want to have a conversation. So that's really the focus of how to build the brand. I love it. And you're absolutely right. And I think even more so now coming through this pandemic is, is people do, they want that relationship and they want a conversation and they're tired of the, you know, tell me this, tell me, tell me, tell me, let's just show me and let's build a relationship. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Awesome, Kate. Well, where do our listeners find more of you? Tell us about your website and anything sure. else. Sure. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn to start. So Kate DeLeo, last name will probably be in the notes. It's spelled D-I-L-E-O. So find me on LinkedIn. Please feel free to connect personally with me. I would love to know who you are and what you're all about. You also can check out my website, which is www.katedeleo.com. Awesome. We'll definitely put it in the show notes and we'll send people your way. And uh, there's a lot of great Thank takeaways you. here from branding and, and everything else that you are an expert on. So we greatly appreciate that. And uh, really, especially the, the brand trifecta. I think people will get a lot from that and need to need to master that in their own worlds and go out and share it. Thank so you. thanks for being with us, Kate. Really appreciate having you on the Circuit of Success. Thanks, Brett, for having me. I appreciate it. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com.
This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 